Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, anarchists of all ages, welcome to the United States of Anarchy podcast. Who am I, the Dark Lord himself, the Nightmare King, giving you unapologetic truth, blunt honesty, and the hardcore facts. I know it's been a while, t- a long time. I know, I know, I've been slipping. You guys have been waiting on me. You guys are probably like, yo, where you been? Never do that again, man. We miss you. And I miss you guys too. I'd like to welcome my new fans in the Ukraine, Lagos, and all the countries whose names I cannot pronounce. Welcome to the Dark Lord Reapers United States of Anarchy podcast. Now, if you are listening to this and you're looking for celebrity gossip, rumors, and crap like that, this is not the podcast for you. This podcast is about unapologetic truth, real topics for real people about real situations. So, if you don't like what I say, two words, don't listen. Boycott my podcast, and while you're at it, boycott my social media. Boycott anything that my name is attached to. It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this episode, as promised, long overdue, is my TV movie trailer, movie trailer, video game toy, Boy, we have so much to talk about. The mid-season finale of Power, the last three episodes leading up to the season finale of Mayans MC, as well as some shows that I recently got into, like All American. Started watching season two of All American, and it's been a doozy so far. As well as Marvel has recently dropped the new wave of toys that'll be coming out next year, as well as Hasbro. Hasbro is on it this year, ladies and gentlemen. And we got some new trailers to review, so when we come back, we'll get into it. And we're back! So we're talking about TV, trailer, movie, and video game toy reviews. So, let's start off talking about Power, the mid-season finale. Well, what led up to it? So, let's review the last two episodes. So, the last two episodes, episode 9, picks up where the previous episode left off with the death of Keisha. That episode should have been titled, The Art of Snitching, because everyone was telling on everybody. And, boy, man, so much stuff went down in that episode that I couldn't believe what was going on ghost has officially become unglued ladies and gentlemen he's unglued like ghost is actually seeing ghost because on some level i think deep down he feels guilty that he got these people killed inadvertently he's seeing his ex (laughs) his ex-lover angela his dead lover sorry angela he saw his daughter reyna who was killed by Ray Ray and avenged by his other son, Tariq. We'll get to that little asshole in a minute. Ah. Till he's seen his former mentor and best friend turned rival, Kanan, in the mid-season finale. We'll get to that. So, Ghost finds out that Tasha is running drugs out of her new daycare center and has Tariq working there on also running drugs and like any parent he was not pleased about it 
and he got physical with Tasha. Now, that's the part of the story that I do not agree with. Yes, you can cuss, you can say whatever you have to say, but do not put hands on each other. That's where I felt ghost crossed the line. Tommy is official, officially was on the warpath because he believed Ghost was the one that killed Tasha. Not killed, sorry, Keisha, when it was in fact Tasha. Sax was officially fired from the F, from the federal from his agency because he tried he planted evidence trying to make Ghost look guilty. Well, Ghost did kill this guy, but he planted evidence and wasted a raid. Agent Blanca, she's looks like a straight arrow cop her mistake was taking sax on as her partner working with him because sax is the type of dude that he doesn't care what he has to like his character is so i think he's so biased because i don't see how tommy can run around killing people left right and center and somehow sax just says oh it was ghost it's funny that was funny but let's get to the mid-season finale the episode entitled nothing can stop me which was pretty ironic because ghost kept saying this throughout the episode to different people nothing can stop me nothing can stop me nothing can stop me nothing will stop me and it ended with ghosts getting shot which leaves the question and the hashtag has been trending i even trended this hashtag and i have my own theories about it too who shot James St. Patrick, a.k.a. Ghost? Let's go down to the list of the people who have wanted to shoot him. Let's start with the people who have the least reason from the people who have the reason. Let's start with his now ex-wife, Tasha. Hell had no fury but a woman like a woman scorned. And nothing's colder than a pissed off black woman. Let me tell you that, ladies and gentlemen. Tasha, she's had more than one reason to shoot Ghost, but she wouldn't do it. Even though she's upset with him for leaving her, humiliating her, and all that, deep down she still loves Ghost and she wants him to come back home where he where he would belong. So that eliminates her from the list. I'm not writing her off, but that eliminates her. Then goes to his best friend and former business partner in terms of the drug trade, Tommy Negan. Tommy has a valid reason for wanting Ghost dead. Like, he basically put it into motion that Tommy would kill his pops but top his but Tommy was snitching Tommy's father was snitching sorry the reason why I don't think Tommy would do it is because Tommy has had multiple opportunities to kill ghosts but didn't so I'm not saying he wasn't the one who shot ghost but let's put him on the back burner as well which brings me to the most ass backwards character that i can't understand him dre one minute he's a gangster the next minute he's fearing for his life the next minute he's a government informant the next minute he's a killer make up your mind kid but him shooting ghost is a definite hell no because he just turned state evidence against ghost in the mid-season finale so how are you gonna snitch if the guy you're snitching on is dead that makes no sense so he needs Ghost alive more than anything else. So that eliminates him from the conversation altogether. The least, per- another person who was least likely to do it, had reason but wouldn't, is Tariq, his son. Now Tariq is very has been upset with him for a long time, cheating on his mother, 
leaving them to go be with Angela, was running with Kanan, all, all, all that stuff. Like, pissed off, angry kid. And that's the one person I think Ghost would drop his guard around that would get close enough to shoot Ghost. But I don't think it's him, because deep down, yes, Tariq has killed someone, but deep down, he ain't a killer. He wants to be in the drug trade, but he's not a killer, so that eliminates that kid. Then we have Councilman Tate. Councilman's Tate political career has gone up in smoke, no thanks to Ghost. So naturally, he would want revenge. And even though Councilman Tate has come to try to warn him that, look, the feds are digging into you, dude. Councilman Tate has a reason to want to kill this guy. But who knows? Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. We'll see when the time comes. Then we have... Um, 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 there, this is my personal opinion. Because they this person wasn't on the list. I don't know if you remember season one. Ladies and gentlemen, Ghost was distributing drugs for a drug cartel guy by the name of Lobo, his cartel. Ghost and Tommy killed Lobo. Maybe it's one of his people back for revenge. Never know. People even put um, Agent Blanca on the list. She wouldn't do that either because she needs to indict this kid. Indict this man. How are you going to indict him if he's dead? Now, here's the part of the, here's a fan, this is my theory. I think it's a shadow player. Someone that we have overlooked and forgotten about or we don't know about in terms of who shot James St. Patrick. You got to keep in mind something about Ghost. And his name is kind of ironic. Season one, the Federal, eight, the federal Bureau whoever, that was investigating him, they had no clue who he was. For a while, they thought Tommy Egan was Ghost. They thought that, which is funny to me, because James St. Patrick, he owns the nightclub Truth, which brings me to another person that could have shot him, that business partner guy, that, it could have been him as well, who knows, the possibilities are endless, but the reason why I say, there's a, this is my theory, what if Ghost set that up himself to be shot, he's evaded the law for years, the only reason he got arrested that time is because he was framed for that murder for the murder of Asian um, for the Asian guy that out that Angela was used to date outside of that it's up in the air but we'll see what happens January 5th when when power review um, resumes so that's my review for the mid-season, the last two episodes up until the mid-season finale of Power. I give both episodes a 10 out of 10. When I come back, I'm going to review the last three episodes, including the season finale of Mayans MC. So in this segment, we are reviewing the last three episodes, including the season finale of Mayans MC. So the first of the three episodes picks up with a character that I've been wondering what became of them. Letty, the daughter of Coco. So it looks like things are going pretty well between the relationship between Coco and Letty. Letty reveals to him that a friend of hers is in trouble while her family is in trouble. 
they were trying to sneak across the border and they went to go pay the fee to get them across when they tried to pay the fee they didn't have enough money so their parent so the her friend's parents were held letty got roughed up you see the bruises on her and coco's like yo who did this to you and she let it be known who it was and she said my dad's a mayan coco has made this clear she does he does not want his daughter running around telling people about his affiliations with obvious reasons and she revealed that when she told the group of guys that her dad's a Mayan, the guy laughed and said, you know, wh- what are they going to do? The name of the group is known as the Vatos Matitos. They're the second MC, fringe MC group that we have been introduced to this season. But they're an established 1% group out of Mexico. So the club has a roundtable discussion about this. Where Bishop says, you know, working with the cartel for so long, we have neglected our obligations as an MC, which is true. And I said this in my last review. I'd rather them not focus so much on the cartel, but focus on the MC itself and get more character developing into the main characters from the club. So Bishop made it clear that the club will do nothing else but shut down what they got going because apparently they got a human trafficking ring going where they ferry people to the other side and when they can't pay they hold them ransom until the money is brought up in some deplorable situations where it's revealed where we get some backstory into the club's vp taza turns out that he was the original he's he was originally a member of the vatos maditos and he said that that club is they're basically savage he said he was young and dumb and that club was dumber and when the current president el palo took over they started to do they started to do more dark things they went from ripping off cars and car parts to i guess more questionable things so he dropped his colors and shortly after i'm assuming he became a mayan keep that in mind during this review so they eventually tracked down the vatos maditos and they dealt with them accordingly they dropped about nine of their members they killed about nine members of the vatos maditos and they freed all their people who were hostage including letty's friend's parents letty's friend took a liking to easy so i'm interested to see where that romantic development goes meanwhile lincoln potter is pissed i have never seen this character so rattled because of what happened in mexico with his group the militia that he hired to look for the rebel the rebel leader adelita which they have in her in custody now and what happened with the break he wants to know everything that's about what's been going on so he contacts easy and angel and tells them he they both have 48 hours to get them give him any kind of information on what happened in mexico or he will have their father oh felipe reyes deported back to mexico because he found out that because during the episode prior to the episode i'm i'm reviewing now he had his people look into felipe reyes and the alias his real name anasio cortinez 
So he found out that Felipe snuck across the border. So, and Felipe is not a U.S. citizen. I like how they bring up immigration into the show and more of the culture. But we'll get back to that. So that situation was squared. So the next episode picks up where the Mayans get a call that, you know, it's time for them to sit down. And this is a part of the story I've been waiting to see. In the Sons of Anarchy, it was established that Jax Teller was going to hand over the drug, the gun trade to the Mayans. So in this episode, they rode down to Nevada on the reservation where we saw in season one of Mayans MC. And all the charters came up. The Stockton Charter, who was headed up by Oscar, who we met in season six of Sons of Anarchy. And I can't remember his name, but he runs the Yuma Charter. So there was a little tension when Easy gets off his bike and everything. Because two members, one's name is Taco, the other one's name, his name was not mentioned. They called Easy a snitch. Not for the reasons you think. In the first episode of this season, Easy exposed the fact that there was a member who was stealing from the Mayans, stealing coke and tainted, you know, tainted the heroin that they were moving. And that member was killed. Turns out that was Taco and this guy's cousin. So they weren't too happy about that. Angel shut it down quickly. He's like, look, that guy was a thief and he was a thief and a traitor and he got dealt with, which is true. You can't steal from people and expect not to suffer the consequences. So, Sam Crow shows up, and I was happy to see that. We see all the people that we've seen before. We see a face that we've been waiting to see, Chibs. If you remember Chibs from Sons of Anarchy, when the show ended, he became the official president of Sam Crow. He was accompanied by the now Sergeant-at-Arms, Happy, Quinn, former president of the Nomads, and Montez, the new road captain. Didn't even know they even had that title in the club. So they sit down and let them know that drug trade, the gun trade has been taking a little bit longer to hand off to them because of complications. So now they want to move it south and hand it over to the Senate, hand it over to the Mayans. There's just one problem. They can't bring the guns in anywhere else. So Montez suggest a group from Mexico to handle that aspect of it from the seaport. Guess who it was? The Vatos Meditos. So of course this was awkward. So they revealed to them that yeah, they had a dust up with them in the situation. It's like, okay, so we'll so Sam Crow said, you know what, we'll be the middleman. The Vatos Meditos show up. And we the first time we're seeing El Palo. Just when El Palo walks in the room, you can tell the tension between him and Taza. So they sit down and El Palo makes it clear that, look, I'm still pissed that the mines killed nine of my men. Like, what the hell? How are we going to work this out? Bishop makes it clear that, look, your guys came into our territory. You didn't make a phone call. You didn't pay the proper respects. This is the part of the, this is the part that makes no sense to me. Taza was a member of the Vatos Meditos. All of this, in my opinion, could have been squashed with a phone call. So, I don't know what the problem is. So, it turned into a big blow up. So, 
Chibs intervened and said, all right, you guys are acting like babies. We got to put, like, Bishop, you got to put something on the table to offer them something as restitution for the nine guys that were dropped. So we're thinking everything is squashed between the, the VM and the Mayans. Meanwhile, outside, Easy is filling up the tanks of gas, whatever. The two members from the Mayans, from the other charter, the Yuma charter, approach, approach um, Easy and tell him, when you're done, hit our tanks. Easy says, clear it, with our clear it with my sponsor, which is Bishop. They throw money at him and say, pick up the money, bit. Like, pick up the money, like, you know, trying to really punk him. Coco and Riz happen to be outside, and they're like, and Coco is like, yo, pick up your money you ain't gonna disrespect him you're not gonna disrespect him like that and they're like yo he's a prospect this isn't your business and they said yes it is it's like yes it is our business so words are exchanged and coco says the fun like these lines were awkward but it was funny coco says and i quote i'm gonna try to sound like coco he's like hey prospect i'm still feeling a little burned out for a ride hey do me a favor fuck these bitches up excuse my language so i don't know who patched these two but they can't fight worth a damn like the main dude taco like i see why they call him taco he needs to lay off the tacos like he tries to grab easy and easy headbutts the sh the mess out of this guy and drops him like he didn't get up for the rest of the fight so the other guy they're throwing punches he only punched easy once easy tagged him so much well i guess it comes back from the days easy being an athlete because when he was in school he was playing baseball so he's in better shape so i mean he's beating the skin off of this guy so angel his older brother and an officer of the santo Padre club comes outside and he's like yo what the hell are you doing he can't hit a patch so coco makes it clear like yo he can do what i he can do it if i tell him to do it and the other two are like it's bullshit yo he put it he put hands on us he's not supposed to do you know you know trying to pull rank now when you were being petty so angel backs up his brothers like you really want to bother the kings with this i'll i'll get back to that title in a second and it's like yeah and it's like you're choosing a patch you're choosing a prospect over a patch he's like no we're pe we're choosing a brother that said a lot when coco called him that and he's still a prospect so that situation was squashed meanwhile emily's been digging around she's doing all types of shit like her character i'm not even gonna bother to talk about her but um miguel he's trying to find out what happened between between her and easy and why that assist, office assistant turned up dead so we'll get back to that story in a second so the end of the meeting is over so everyone's gone home they're drinking having a good time who comes back but the vatos maditos and does a sneak attack this has got to be the most punk snake thing i have seen in a long time I'm thinking it's squashed, everything's cool between these two, but that's not the case. Sneak attack, they throw a, a Mogletoff cocktail at the bikes. One hits Coco, and he gets burned up pretty bad. In fact, the liquid gets into his eyes, and he loses a little bit of his sight. But that's not the problem. 
They run into the building and Apollo sees Taza and tries to shoot at him. Riz pushes him out the way and takes all the bullets. So he gets riddled with bullets, whatever the case is. So they take Riz to the hospital. He's on a machine and all that. So they have, um, like, they're having a meeting in the, the, and, like, people are, they're like, yo, like, we got to retaliate. They shot up Riz. They tried to burn Coco. They sneak attacked us after we had a sit down. So a lot of people are upset about this. So Bishop has a meeting with the other kings, as well as he calls El Patrino, his cousin, Marcus Alvarez, the founding member of the Mayans. And he lets them know, like, look, we got to do something like our guy, like they sneak attacked us right after we had a deal with them. This is bullshit. Now, this is the time where I can see the conflict. The kings are looking at this like, look, dude, you got to be smart about this because we need the gun trade. This will mean more money for us. A lot of us have been meeting on waiting on the money and bishop is like yo so they're like you got to be smart about it and he has a private meeting with alvarez and alvarez tells him like look i get where you're coming from primo this is why i split the split power between the three of you so now we're understanding how the term the kings came about Alvarez, when he stepped down in season one, he was El Batrino, so he had the overall final say in who was who and what's what. So he named the three guys the top dogs, like they have the final say in whatever goes on in the club nationwide. Because as we've seen, unlike the Sons of Anarchy, no mind club operates independent. They all answer to one major club or figure. So, Alvarez goes outside, he's seeing the members, whatever the case may be, and he sees Easy, and he pulls Easy aside and questions him about what went on, whatever the situation is. He tells Easy, like, look, um, I see a future for you here in this club, but um, uh, you know the consequences if I find out you're lying to me. So, Taza does something that I didn't see coming. I knew Riz wasn't going to make it. But Taza pulls the plug on him and puts him down himself just so the Mayans can go to war because there was a vote and Bishop said we're not going to retaliate because we need the business. Coco loses it. Naturally, he's like, you're all wrong. Like, how could you vote not to retaliate? Like, Riz is in the hospital. Look what they did to me. He's like, if you can't see that, then you lost your way. You're all wrong. So, when they get the call, before they get the call, Greeper, who we don't really know much about other than he's the only member of the Mayans that we know of that doesn't speak Spanish, he asks Taza, like, how come you never told us that you were a member of the VM? So, I can see some character development there for season three. So, as it goes on, so as it goes on, and Taza pulls a club on Riz and he dies as a result of his wounds and the lack of oxygen. Bishop goes and tells his guys like, look, Riz just died. We're going to war. And this is something Coco wanted. The kings come and meet with him again to tell him, 
you can't go to war think about it because their biggest their biggest charters Oregon and another charter are planning to break off from the Mayans and take the gun trade for themselves and they can't afford to lose the numbers when word gets when Coco makes it clear like okay if they want to leave let them like we're the ones that are taking like you know risking our lives how is it that they just care about the money like so long story short the kings say meet with El Palo so Bishop goes and takes Hank with him and they have a secret meeting we don't know what's said in this meeting but apparently there's some kind of agreement and they go to a party and then the moment we've all been waiting for two of the moments that we've all been waiting for the first is that Easy finally gets Easy Angel and their father finally get closure as to who killed who killed their mother their wife turns out it was Dita Miguel's mother she ordered the hit because she felt the way about El Nas about Felipe moving on with his life after the affair so clearly she wanted to die because she feels guilty about what she did so she showed up and she said she wanted Felipe to do it she knew Felipe wouldn't do it so she left a letter for Easy and Angel they show up at the place so they're like this is crazy this is crazy so Easy strangles her to death and then they burn her it was a really intense scene and I think both parties deserve an Emmy for it so the second part the second thing that happened in this episode the season finale that we had been waiting for we didn't think it would happen this season but it did they voted on Easy's membership and he got his colors he is now a full-fledged Mayan and it wasn't as epic as we thought it was would be but he got his colors unlike how they did rat boy and sons of anarchy they let him think like you know he's not gonna get his colors whatever the case may be but you just see they tell him like you know take your cut off put it on the table and taza just shows up and puts his patches on and like yo he says something to him in Spanish, and I guess it's like, you know, welcome to the club. So we under, we finally get to understand what the symbol is on the mind's back. It's called the Maqua Beetle. And they voted. From the fact that Coco called Easy a brother, I knew he was going to earn his colors. And the way they were treating him. And Bishop went over it. He was like, he started rough. Like his prospecting was rough in the beginning, but he finished strong. Has he earned the right to wear the Maquabita? Does he earn the right to sit at our table and be considered and join our tribe? Unlike, unlike the Sons of Anarchy, they said they don't say welcome to the Brotherhood, welcome to the club. They say welcome to the tribe. There's power in words. So this is the scary part of the episode. Oh, before I forget. Angel and Easy get information from Emily about Potter, about Lincoln Potter. 
and how Lincoln Potter has a kid that he like you know has a has a kid that was a witness that he was sleeping with which he wasn't supposed to do so Emily gives and here's the thing Emily gives the information that Miguel was going to use to get Adelita back so I'm so that worked and it backfired because now it made Potter look into the fraternity of Adelita's kid because she had the baby come to find out Angel is the father is in fact the father so that put that rumor to rest ladies and gentlemen but long story short season 3 is going to be interesting because at first it was doubtful because you know they fired Kurt Sutter from FX but he said he was going to be done after this season and he's turning it over to Elgin James his co-writer so season 3 should be interesting now that Easy is a full member, he sits at the table, and now he has an opinion. His his quick thinking has saved Santo Padre so many times. So him at the table, and he can actually voice, actually have a vote and give his opinion. I could see him moving up in the ranks. So there was supposed to be a party that they were going to in the honor of um, El Palo's grandmother. So we're thinking peace is there not going to be any kind of retaliation, whatever the case is, whatever the fuck may be. Excuse my language. Turns out the Mayans tooled up and shot the house up. Killed everything inside. But El Palo was not killed, nor was his grandmother. So they went into the house, realized everybody's dead. So Bishop tells him, like, you'll find El Palo, whatever the case may be. Easy goes in the back and realizes that they fucked up. They screwed up, sorry. When they come in the back room, guess who's on the ground? A dead member of the Sons of Anarchy. So now, it's possibly going to be war. And El Palo got away. So, what was the agreement that El Palo and Bishop had? I suspect that that was the compromise that was made. His men get killed, he patches over and becomes a Mayan. Who knows? Season 3 is going to be interesting, ladies and gentlemen. With Angel's kid being inducted, Adelita still in custody, and Dita being dead, and Marcus Alvarez finding the bike tracks. It's going to be crazy. So, season finale of Mayans, I give a 10 out of 10. When we come back, I'm going to review Disney Plus and their new show, The Mandalorian. And we're back. So this segment, we are reviewing Disney Plus, the new streaming service, and The Mandalorian. And the streaming service is giving us Disney kids like myself Ever, our whole childhood back because I grew up on Disney. Most people grew up on one thing or the other. I grew up on Disney. I had all those VHSs. So I'm getting everything I owned back and then some. So the streaming service is worth it if you're a hardcore Disney fan and know everything about Disney. So with that being said, I'm approving of the Disney champ of the Disney Plus streaming service. Which brings to a question, what will happen to the Disney Channel, Disney Junior, and all that nice stuff? Mm, yeah. So, let's get into The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is basically 
it's like a western. It doesn't show any Jedi's or anything like that. This story takes place right after the fall of the Empire and right before the rise of the First Order. For those of you who do not know what the man what Mandalorians are, they are a specific tribe of people who are like some of the best fighters in the universe. One Mandalorian can take down three Jedi Masters with his bare hands. Because they're just that good. We've seen a Mandalorian before. In episode... In Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Jango Fett is a Mandalorian. In fact, he is one of the most famous Mandalorians of all time. He specialized in killing Jedi. And they cloned him to be the Jedi. They used him as a template to make the Jedi army. The Jedi clone army. Smart move. Not. But anyway. So this Mandalorian, we don't really know his name. We don't really know have his face. He's given a job to go to a remote planet in episode one. And retrieve a package and bring it back. It's completely off the books. So he meets this guy, this stranger on the planet. And the guy's like, I'm helping you because I know about the Mandalorians. I've heard the stories. I just never thought I'd meet one. This guy, we don't know his name. We don't know his face, whatever the case is. So he gets to the spot and he gets into a shootout automatically. And some killer droid. That is him and the droid are a member of the, the kill. And they find out that the creature is a baby of the Yoda species. And it's force sensitive, apparently. And the droid tried to kill the baby, but the Mandalorian stopped him. So he's taking him back to his ship. Unfortunately for him, the one group of creatures we have not seen in so long appeared. Jawas! Now, if you're not familiar with Jawas, they are scavengers. They rob people for their junk. They're traders. What I mean traders, like they trade like mechanics and stuff. They stripped his airship. So the Mandalorian had to do them a favor to get his parts back so he can put his ship back together and go where he was going. So it's revealed when he had to fight to get the egg that the baby was force sensitive. So maybe this baby is probably the kid of a fallen Jedi. Because as we know... Jedi from the Old Republic are not supposed to be dealing in sexual relations. So they weren't supposed to be doing that. So I'm interested to know where this baby came from and why this person that hired him wants the baby. So the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, I give an 8 out of 10 because it's still shrouded in mystery and I'd like to know more about The Mandalorian. This one in particular. So when I come back, I'm going to do my toy review. And we're back, so we are doing the toy review in this segment. So Hasbro has dropped, oh my god, they've dropped so much. Like, if you're a toy collector, you might be broke next year. Between movies and and toys that are collectibles, you're going to be broke next year. They dropped a comic book, they, they dropped the comic book accurate Crossbones. If you're not familiar with Crossbones is, he is a highly trained mercenary that works for high that worked for hydra he trained under taskmaster school for mercenaries 
Taskmaster will be seen in Black Widow that's supposed to be coming out next year. He's supposed to be the main villain. And he's supposed to be in the next Marvel Avengers video game, which I've reviewed before. So they dropped, they dropped pictures of him and Hasbro, the Black series for Star Wars. We've gotten so much, and we're going to get so much more. We're getting Kit Fisco, Jedi Master Kit Fisco. We're finally getting a Darth Tyrannus, a.k.a. Count Dooku. We're finally getting that figure. We're getting another Darth Sidious that comes with his chair. Two interchangeable hands and interchangeable heads. They look good. The paint apps look pretty good. The articulation is pretty much the same. And I'm pretty... And we're getting some more X-Factor characters. And they've been dropping Power Rangers accurate toys. They Earlier this year, they dropped Goldar. We're supposed to get Lord Zed. We've gotten a few Power Rangers from the original crew. We got White Ranger Tommy. We got Black Ranger Jason with Green Ranger Power. I mean, Zack with Green Ranger Powers. I personally might go pick that one up because I was a big fan of Zack. I was a big fan of Zack and Jason. And they also dropped a comic book accurate evil Tommy from the alternate dimension that took the powers of the Green Ranger and fused them with the White Ranger. That was epic. So I'm interested. So if you're a collector, I would recommend that. When we come back, some trailer reviews. And we're back, so we are doing movie, trailer, video game, food, and toy reviews. So, in this segment, I'm going to review the latest and anticipated trailer drop for Sonic the Hedgehog. Earlier this year, the trailer did drop, but a lot of people were not happy about the design of Sonic. They wanted more of a video game accurate look for Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, we got it. Jim Carrey is supposed to play Dr. Robotnik. It's live action. It's supposed to come out later on this year. No, it's supposed to come on early next year, 2020. I will personally be going to see it. Why? Because this is the one time we have complained and the creators of the movie actually listened. So on that strength alone, we should go patronize this film. Another... Well, yeah. So, when I come back, when we come back, I will be giving you my brief review on HBO's new show, Watchmen. And we're back. So, in this segment, I'll be reviewing the new HBO show, Watchmen, which is supposed to be a continuation of the movie that was based on the comic book, Watchmen. So much historical stuff is going on in this that is making references to the show. The last episode, the most recent episode that came out, episode four, I think, that said she was killed. I can't remember the title, but it shows that the FBI is actively, the FBI is just as messed up as they've always been. And I think I reviewed in that 
it's gotten so bad with the cops in this universe that the cops have to wear masks for fear of retaliation from a group known as the Seven Calvary. Seven Calvary is a KKK. It's based on a it's based on a, a white supremacist group that are attacking cops, and it's got to the point where cops wear masks just like regular superheroes. Superhero vigilantism has been a hundred percent outlawed. We saw this in the episode where the character and superhero Revenger, the FBI set up an elaborate trap to catch him. They staged a bank heist, and when he came in to save the day, everyone in there, including the hostages, were FBI agents. That's pretty elaborate. Dr. Manhattan still lives on the moon. Well, he lives on Mars. He hasn't lived on the planet for 30 years. I give the series, frankly, a 7 out of 8, because there's more to it. So when we come back, I will give you my review on the most recent episodes of Godfather of Harlem. And we're back. So we are reviewing in this segment Godfather of Harlem. And boy, a lot has gone down since the last episode. So I'm going to pick it up where Bumpy Johnson and... Malcolm X meet a young Cassius Clay, who we all know today as the late, great Muhammad Ali. And he's set up to fight the local champion. This is before Muhammad Ali became the big success that he was back then. Little did we all know, the FBI had bugged the office of Malcolm X. And... Malcolm X and Cassius Clay were talking and at the time Cassius Clay said he wants to let people know that he is in fact a Muslim but but Malcolm X made it clear to Cassius Clay that you cannot make that public knowledge else you will never get your title shot do it after you win the the championship so the chin got wind of this had Cassius Clay kidnapped and told him You're going to throw the fight or else we'll tell the world that you are a Muslim and you'll never get a a title shot ever in your career. Bumpy Johnson got wind of this and he said, okay, fight your fight. You don't worry about the blackmail tape. He got a hold of the tape. The Chin, as I mentioned in my last review of 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 this show, he has a problem with another character named Banana. He calls him the Banana. Banano, that's his name. Come to find out, Banano had a son that was killed by a black street gang and little did we know it was the chin who had him killed because he was seeing the chin's daughter and the two don't like each other and he's made it clear the only reason why the chin is acting boss is because his original the original boss for the acting the acting boss of the family went to jail for a while and he was the driver so he really didn't have respect for him so Bumpy Johnson found out about what happened and told Banano it was the chin who had his son killed. So now it's all out war. This was the last episode I'm talking about. A lot of interesting things have happened. Reverend Powell decided that he was going to expose the numbers racket with the Italian mob. He named a lady as the bag lady and she turned around to sue him for defamation of character because she's being threatened and all types of stuff. 
the last episode ended with Bumpy Johnson being shot. So I'm interested to see what the next episode has to offer. And that's it for this episode. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Donates are, donations are appreciated. Join me on my next episode where I talk about President Trump from his election up till now. We're going to go over his full four years as president and what has happened. And we're going to compare his presidency to his predecessor, Barack Obama. And we're also going to talk about his impeachment hearings, inquiries. So until next time, love, peace, and chicken grease. Deuces!